This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Hey there, Bellator Society. This is Franchelle Yaker here in Nashville, Tennessee, and I have a special guest um, with me today. Tracy is out this week, but we are not down and out because we have Carlos Dramosin, who is a seminarian from the Archdiocese of New York, joining us. Hello, Carlos. Hello. How are you? I'm doing so good. I'm so excited to continue our conversation because you were on our live stream this week talking about all things social media because you are the TikTok seminarian. (laughs) Uh, That is your fame. Hopefully it will not be your fame forever. Hopefully your fame forever will be sainthood. But um, we are super, Hope super. And pray. I know yeah. that's our that's everybody's goal. But um, mm-hmm. I would love one of my most favorite things whenever I meet a priest is to say, "Tell me about your vocation." And I feel like we kind of have like a front row seat as it's unfolding with you. And so I would love mm-hmm. to hear your vocation story, even though you're still in the midst of it. I mean, yeah. really, if if we're being honest, even a seminarian is still in a process of discerning their vocation. You know, it's Absolutely. almost a little bit. Yeah. Would you say like an engagement? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, totally say that it's like it's like sort of like courting the courting process. Like, yeah. Um, my my faculty advisor at, at, at in college had said, um, you no, know, now you've made made the steps to you know officially you know like he's playing the dad in in, in the family. He's like, you know, you're you're asking you know a, a someone's father's daughter out, mm-hmm. and the dad is making sure that you know you're doing all the right things and you know abiding by you know, the rules and, and, and being the, the best husband that you can be. So like, yeah, now it's, now's the time for, you know, to make all the mistakes and, and to, <laughs> to learn <laughs> so I can be the, the best priest I can be or the best priest that God wants me to be. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So let's just, let's just learn a little bit about you to start out. Like, um, tell us about your family. Tell us where you grew up. Tell us when this seed of vocation entered into your heart and your mind and your consciousness. Was it something that your parents um, uh, encouraged, uh, you know, in, in you specifically? Just tell, give us a little background. Sure. So uh, I was born, born and raised in Yonkers, New York, just north of the Bronx. And um oldest of three brothers um i have a permanent deacon in the family he's my grandfather um just super super catholic family we, you know grew up going to church my dad is the director of music at the parish my mom sang in the choir my aunt sang in the choir my uncle plays music in the choir i sang in the choir so like i was i was heavily involved from a young age and i started altar serving and um just attending the parish youth group and that's when i really really got involved in my faith and i really took it seriously um, I want to say that just the inklings of the vocation kind of began um, with my pastor, Father Joseph uh, Espelyat, who's uh, now pastor of another parish, but uh, he's uh, one of my great priest mentors and, mm. and just, just an awesome, awesome guy. And um, just really showed me the joy of the priesthood. And that's what, that's what got me. And I was just like, you know, 
he looks happy doing that. Maybe I can do that. And yeah, I got that thought in celebrating mass one day um, at the parish, which is normal Sunday. And um, I just had that thought, like, maybe I can do that. He looks so happy. Like, yeah. and um, so then I started pursuing it um, in the eighth grade. And, and if anybody who knows me in the eighth grade knows, I was like, I was a Jesus freak in, in eighth grade. I was, <laughs> I always carried my Bible uh, in school. I was trying to convert people. And just, like, That's I look the at, best. <laughs> I, look, I, I look back like with fond memories, but also cringing at myself. I'm like, yeah, I can't yeah. I said that. Like, I know. Um, but um, but it was an so, earnest. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I, if you look at my middle school yearbook, like the people sign, like I hope you make. You become a great priest one day and like just priest, 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 priest. Yeah. So, um, so, then so you had started... outside confirmation. It wasn't something that you kind of kept secret. Like the, the Holy spirit was working from all angles there. Well, yeah. I mean, I just kind of, I made it known. Like I, mm-hmm. I wore my, the vocation office gear to school like all the time. And, <laughs> you had swag and, back then. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, um, so people had known. So like, yeah. um, um, but so I kept pursuing it in high school, throughout, throughout high school, really. And just um, we have a an awesome program for high school students uh, called Cathedral Prep, and it's like monthly retreats. And we stay at the seminary, and usually there's a visiting priest every weekend, or you know, just different things. But we kind of get a taste of seminary life and mm. have a normal prayer schedule and play basketball. And you know, soon for me, it just became like a place just to hang out with my friends, like that were somewhat interested in the priesthood or just wanted free food and and to play sports for a whole weekend um and the awesome six flags trip every every year but that was that was the go-to weekend uh but um but throughout high school i started dating and um the kind of vocation bug never really left so Mm -hmm. you know as i started dating i was interested and you know i dated this one girl and and as high school progressed, the more I kind of said, like, you know, I want to raise a family. Like, this is who I want to do. And I remember when I told my dad that I had got a girlfriend, she goes, Oh, are you ready to get married? And I'm like, and I'm like 15 at the time. I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> but, and then, but that's how seriously he took it. Yeah. And he, he expected me to do the same. And, and I modeled my relationship after my parents and my grandparents, because they were just, such great models of good marriage, good Catholic marriage. So mm-hmm. as time progressed and like, you know, you know, the two vocations were lingering, the, as time progressed, the more I was running away from, more I realized I was running away from the priesthood vocation and, and kind of just made up my decision. I said, you know, God, I'm going to raise my family and pursue social work, you know, and one of my sons can be a priest. Like, I don't have to. <laughs> Let's defer this to yeah. the next generation. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so I kept pushing it off, and and I was really and was really happy. It was you know it was an awesome relationship. I really had yeah. the time of my life, and but it was in my freshman year of college when I just started. Actually, um, I had this dream that kind of rocked me to my core. You know those dreams that kind of like like you wake up and you kind of questioning reality. Like you're like, yeah. is, did this really happen? So like, and I had this dream that, and it was one of those, they just hopped from place to place. It was ridiculous. But one of the spots that I remember was uh, I was walking in a rectory kitchen, mm-hmm. I think. And I kept asking someone, how do I get back into the seminary? 
how do I get back into the seven and a half? And I remember waking up and just kind of having the feeling like I had, I shouldn't be here and I know it and I don't want to like, mm-hmm. like it was like, I knew, you know, God was calling me, but I didn't want to admit it. So I went to mass and, you know, I was still heavily involved in the choir. And in those days, like it was very easy for, it was very normal to kind of play two masses back to back. Like you know, mm-hmm. I have the 10 30 and the 12 and that's the usual Sunday. Um, so I was playing music for the 10 30 mass and, um, uh, I remember the first reading and I was, so, I was still like emotionally just on like on another level. I wasn't paying attention a lot. I was trying to shake the dream off. And then I remember the first reading began with, uh, some people say that the Lord's way is not fair. And I kind of just, it struck me right ah! in the heart. I was just like, I had just like, it, it, I knew exactly what God was saying. And he said, I, he's like, it's just that moment I was like oh this is real like Mm -hmm. it's not it wasn't just a dream like Mm -hmm. and I remember just not paying attention to anything like throughout the rest of the mass like you know that one line just kept stinging and Mm -hmm. um um you know the readings went on gospel homily after the homily I just kind of left and you know no, I didn't listen to the homily. I kind of just went downstairs to the church basement where there's like a sort of a sort of like a lounge area, like just just a hall. And I just sat there. And I remember my uncle came down to kind of just sit next to me, and 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 he had like some carrot cake or whatever. And he was like, "You want some?" <laughs> no, but he just he just sat there with me. I really appreciated that. Just just mm. like, I was so emotionally just just struck like. I was thinking about my relationship. I was thinking about everything that I had to give up. Like I mm-hmm. was very involved in the youth group. I was, you know, I was thinking like, Lord, you're taking away all this for me and it's not fair. Mm-hmm. And, and you've given all of this to me and now you're taking me away. Like, what's the deal? So, mm-hmm. but I remember telling my mom, cause she came in for the 12 o'clock mass and she got her things ready. And I told her, I said, um, mom, he's calling me. And she knew exactly what that meant. Mm. And she knew exactly what my first fear was because she said, you know, you don't have to say goodbye to her now. Like, yeah. and, and so, but yeah. It was, what a and, good mama. Yeah, oh yeah. No. And, and this is the part, like when asked, I remember asking mom, uh, like, did they expect this? And, or were they surprised at all? When I told them about the seminary, he said, kind of, but not really. Like, yeah. So it was almost like they saw it coming. It was, it's like, oh, gee, thanks. You should have, you should have said something. <laughs> like, but uh, yeah, it was just, and then you know, and then it was like a pretty, pretty rough, like January. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the more I discerned, and I went on the retreat offered by my college. I went, to, I studied at Fordham University, and mm-hmm. and I took a silent retreat, and I said, I took the seminary application, the the um a book that my location director gave me and a bible and i mm-hmm. kind of said all right god this is it like this is my decision weekend like you make yourself known or whatever and um and the book i read was to save a thousand souls by i think uh but father brett brennan yeah 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 but and i remember reading the chapter about waking up as an ordained priest like your first your first 
mass and and your first Sunday as a priest. And I remember becoming so excited. I like I read the book cover to cover in that weekend and slammed the book shut, ran to my room, and I filled out the seminary application then and there. And that was a really powerful retreat. And I think the the priests who were on it that kind of guided me because I kind of I said like, you know, I'm looking for signs and I know God is giving me signs, but I just don't want to look at them. Yeah. And I'm ignoring them. And I, and the signs are coming and I'm asking for more just to like, like, are you really, really sure? Are you really, really, <laughs> really sure? Like, so, but yeah. Man, and silent then, retreats are dangerous. If you, if oh, you yeah. <laughs> do not want to hear God's voice, do not go on silent retreat. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. No, he, he, he makes his self known. I, I, um, for my spiritual autobiography, that's a, that was one of the components of the, the seminary application. Mm-hmm. I remember I titled it, uh, God is annoying. And, <laughs> and, and I remember, uh, for the interview um, with, the, with the, with the board of priests that were there, um, my vocation director said like, Oh, so we noticed like the title of your, your, your autobiography. You want to explain? Like, You're kind of <laughs> cheeky. Yeah. So I said, I was just like, well, yeah. And, it was throughout the entire relationship throughout eighth grade mm-hmm. um, that it was just, you know, and the, the more that I wanted to continue pursuing my own mm-hmm. plan was the more that God just kept whispering, mm-hmm. you know, that still small voice, just priesthood, just not, not even explaining himself, just mentioning the word priesthood. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then that's what got me. And just, it was just to a point where, almost like God had enough and just said, like, listen, you like, <laughs> Like this is what what I want for you, and and I'm glad I listened. And it wasn't it wasn't easy like the transitioning in because mm-hmm. um, I transitioned uh, midway through my freshman year into seminary, which is mm-hmm. not something normally guys would do. Like my vocation director explained this to me. He said, um, "You know, normally I would have you just wait till the next year, um, but I know you. I know your family. I know your upbringing. Like and." And he's he's a very good priest, Father Enrique, and he uh, he said like I can get you into into the seminary January, no problem. Like mm. I said, and it was that, and it was that that point where I realized like no, this isn't something that God wants me to wait on. Like yeah. you know, he's made it clear, but like it's almost like I need to go, 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 mm. like go now, like it's go not, in haste. Uh, yep, <laughs> yeah, you know, and my my spiritual director who mentioned my childhood pastor father joseph had mentioned the same thing he said you know i'm gonna give you three options you can either just finish your freshman year and then apply you can just have fun in college and just just do your college thing and then mm-hmm. apply or you go right now and i told him i said i, I feel like god is telling me to go now because mm-hmm. that's just it was it was just that compelling driving just like tug that that he was just telling me like you know lord is saying you need to be in seminary right now mm-hmm. this is where i want you to be and you know and then from there the rest is history like yeah uh, <laughs> i've had it's history like most... right now like it, it's history in the making you're, you're doing it exactly now. <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah I and mean, like you know the lord continues to be so so good just in, yeah. in terms of affirming the mm-hmm. call because you know at when I first entered, I was sort of just a no-nonsense. I was kind of said like, "No, I'm not going to even consider the other vocation because God made it so clear mm-hmm. that you know 
if he wants me here. Like God didn't send like tell me to break up with my girlfriend and leave my my hometown and and just do all that, leave everything behind as a joke. Mm-hmm. Um, but the more you know, more and thank God for college and, and maturity, like and just God's grace, really that um, you know that God made it evidently clear mm-hmm. in the biggest of ways and in the smallest of ways that. You know, I'm on the right path. Like whether it be just, um, just a huge powerful moment in ministry or in a holy hour, or just kind of a, a wave of consolation, or if it's just like, you know, um, being at a parish, like you know, a few weeks ago, like at this parish assignment, just kind of experiencing the joy of the priesthood in the most mundane things. Like mm-hmm. you know, my my, I'm very blessed to have the pastor that I have now. He told me in a meeting. He said, you know. Every day of the priesthood is different, and that's what makes it so amazing. It's just even the most, even the in the quote unquote boring days, like mm-hmm. where there's nothing going on, like you know, God's still working, mm-hmm. and and He's forming me to be the best priest that I can be. So, you know, I'm just super, super, super. Even this conversation right now, like you know, it's always fun reflecting because then we, it, it's always a joy to see where God has taken you by hook or crook, like. Um, even in the moments where you felt like completely giving up and God tugged you along the way and said, no, no, you don't, don't, (laughs) (laughs) don't give up now. Like, I gotcha. You know, we didn't mention in your introduction, we did talk about it in the live stream that you are in your pastoral year of formation for Mm -hmm. the priesthood, which, um, again, I guess making an analogy, once again, it's kind of like student teaching, like Mm -hmm. this is what it looks like in the field. This is what you do on a day-to-day basis. You're living in a rectory. You're kind of doing the, the, the pastoral work. You're not saying mass or hearing confession or anything like that, but you're, Mm -hmm. you're doing a lot of the pastoral work that a priest would do. And that's, that's, I would imagine formative number one, but also informative, like this is what it's really like. Um, are you enjoying being in your, in, in this new capacity? Cause you're not sitting in class every day anymore. You're not in, oh. you know, theology class. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I want to say that I don't miss class, but I do love, you know, I, I honestly do love being in class with my classmates. We just have such a great dynamic and such a great, and that's just another plus of just the seminary, just a, such a great brotherhood and fraternity yeah. that, now, it took a while for me to really appreciate, but, you know, um, I think now that I'm here, you know, I really appreciate just, you know, the importance of seminary fraternity just because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, besides the Eucharist, like, you, you have your brothers to fall back on and say, mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, like, I just had this really tough funeral and I need to vent, like, yeah. or I, I'm hungry, let's go out to eat, like, and that's yeah. never something that we would ever turn away, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but... <laughs> uh yeah it's just um it's so informative Mm -hmm. because you know like i said every day the priesthood is different and um and you're gonna have to do and i've dealt with so much different like craziness within within the first week of the assignment just like Mm -hmm. just you know there's a lot of reassignments and you know just with the pandemic and in general reopening and dealing with social distancing and you know you know shadowing the pastor and everything and and i'm very grateful and blessed that my pastor has not shied away from like not like painted a pretty picture and just said no this is it this is what we have to deal with so you know um you know there's a spanish expression that uh, it goes vale la pena which means like it's a, 
basically like it's worth it. Like it's worth the, going through the pain. So like, you know, and as much as you have to deal with like, you know, paying bills and paying taxes, paying your employees and dealing with the business side of the parish and, you know, and just the, the annoying stuff that goes on in, in every diocese, just in terms of, you know, personnel and like what it's dealing with so human worth. beings. It's the same exactly. everywhere. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. And, but he, he told me, he said, you know, it's so worth it just because, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, like you're bringing Christ to people and, and sure. Yeah. We have to deal with pretty, pretty annoying people sometimes, but <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, <laughs> it he, is worth it. You're yeah. right. So you said um, that for the priesthood, every day is different. And I love that because I would say we have a kinship with you then, because as a mother, I feel the same way. And it, on mm-hmm. one hand, like we wake up every day, we have the food, we do the things. And yet every day is so different in its minutia, um, just in my own little sort of monastic life. Um, mm-hmm. And I love that connection because God doesn't, God doesn't, place desires on our hearts that he doesn't fulfill Mm -hmm. and he doesn't expect us to release those desires just because he's changed our course and Mm -hmm. um one of the things that i've heard from um, a priest who i I love very much and respect very much is is if if that he tells um uh, young men who are uh, discerning the priesthood is if you don't think you could be a good father and a good husband you will never be a good priest so that you should always consider whether or not the 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 family vocation, the married vocation, is mm-hmm. a possibility for you because there is such relatedness because we, we call you father for a reason. Like you have a real fatherhood as a priest um, mm-hmm. that is not the same as being father of a family, and yet you are the father of a church family. And so God has a funny way of annoyingly <laughs> fulfilling those yep. desires, you know? Uh-huh. And so just, can you talk a little bit about how you see God? Um, and again, I know that you're still kind of on the front end, but how you see him having formed you with those desires for family and how he is, um, how you can interpret those desires for his ultimate goal, which you are now discerning as the priesthood. Yeah, totally. Um, so last summer I attended the uh, some seminarian program for, the Institute of Priestly Formation, IPF, as a, a lot of guys know it to me. And one of the things they really harp on is the, the reality of spiritual fatherhood and that it's not just something that we get upon ordination. It's like, mm-hmm. like yeah, we're, we, we're called father at, after ordination, but it doesn't, it's not like a, a snap and mm-hmm. boom, now you're a father. But uh, you, you experience those desires, whether consciously or unconsciously and you live them out in your apostolic work so um i was blessed uh at the seminarian program to be able to participate or to serve at a a facility for displaced kids in foster Mm. care and who need who have psychiatric needs and stuff like that who's just who've just been through so much pain and hurt and 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 they're warriors honestly and they're a true testament and I'm very blessed to be able to to know them. Um, but I remember I was walking down the street and we were accompanying the kids back to their cottages. And one of them, one of the little girls that I had worked with, she said, uh, Carlos, can you be my dad? And I, was, and I, 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 I just lost it. I was like, mm, trying not to, not to 
like burst out. <laughs> but oh. like I, I mentioned that to my spiritual director. I yeah. said, "Wow, like and and everything in my being just wanted to say, yeah. yeah, yeah, I do." Like, but like you know, just in reality, I can't say like, "Yeah, no, sorry," like I'm just yeah. I'm not I'm not here for too long. Blah blah, blah. and you know, and you know, with this one girl and another girl who I worked with constantly throughout the summer mm. and on a weekly basis who I almost developed, developed a really good relationship with. Um, and, you know, I still keep a letter that she wrote um, saying, don't forget me and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, and I kind of in my heart and, and I still pray for her every day. And, you know, you see those desires for spiritual fatherhood lived out in, mm-hmm. in very, really, really powerful ways. And sometimes not even, and, you know, not even ways that you can see or, or recognize, like, you know, um, a, a, an important part of the seminary formation is just constant evaluation, mm-hmm. um, which guys like or don't like, it's, you know, it's up to them. But um, I remember my advisor telling me, like, you know, I see the 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 inklings of spiritual fatherhood in you, and I'm like, what? What are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, and, but, he, but he would say, like, you know, just in my work at, you know, and I also worked um, this past couple of years, I've been working at a, at a, a rehab facility for men suffering with addiction. Mm. And God I bless you. Got, I've had the privilege of sitting in on counseling groups and just, mm-hmm. you know, for the most part, just listening mm-hmm. and just being there mm-hmm. and being present and, um, and offering some advice here and there. Um, yeah. But totally feeling for and praying with the guys who are, are like you know like those children that i i work with they're just warriors and Mm -hmm. um and you see that spiritual fatherhood playing out in the way you care for those people the way you Mm -hmm. pray for those people the way they have a hold on your heart because like you consider them your your kids basically Mm -hmm. and and it's just it's super beautiful like it's 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 something that i've been blessed to you know I've never known what spiritual fatherhood looked like until that summer I went to Omaha and I put a name, like I got a name for it. I was like, oh, so if this is spiritual fatherhood. And now that I notice it and I continue to see it in the way, just in small ways and in big ways, it's just, and, and it's totally on point. Like if you don't see yourself being a good father, then, mm-hmm. you know, you know, as much as, you know, marriage is, is sacred or whatever, and it, if you have your eyes on priesthood, then you should keep your eyes focused on that. But like mm. uh, that, the fatherhood component is super important. You yeah. cannot be a good priest if you're not a good father. Yeah, you know, we can't. We're, priests aren't just sacramental machines that we can just dispense sacraments and and uh, give, celebrate mass and whatever. Like they're, they're we're human. You're not a holy robot. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, So you did. So talking about spiritual fatherhood, I would love if we could like maybe tighten the lens a little bit because we talk about spiritual motherhood a lot when you go to like Mm -hmm. women's conferences, you know, Mm -hmm. and and you often see like, you know, beautiful sisters who are who are there and single women and married women, you know, some Mm -hmm. are suffering with infertility. So they're not yet mothers. Um, They never some of them may never be mothers um, either by birth or by adoption. And then you have women who, you know, have babies of their own. And yet we are all instructed that the feminine genius is spiritual motherhood. And, you know, there's always a myriad of explanations of what that means. 
-hmm. Can we, again, tighten the lens a little bit and talk specifically about what spiritual fatherhood means to you? Like if you had to define it, if you had to be really like tight on that definition, what would you, what, how would you explain spiritual fatherhood to somebody? Mm. That's a tough one. <laughs> um, it's tough for me because I find it just so natural. Mm -hmm. Like it's not something that I like, uh, I've defined and like, I, you know, like a, a inspirational quote I have in the, in the mirror every day, like that guy gets my, okay, I'm going to be a spiritual father. Today. So, <laughs> um, um, well, I think about it in terms of spiritual motherhood. Like um, it is often my reflection that uh, obviously there, there's a, there's a biological reality where I have a person, you know, growing in my body and, you know, that is biological motherhood. Um, but mm -hmm. spiritual motherhood is that you take almost that person's um, interests, you, you take the, the, the good that you want for them and you internalize it and you, you make all of your decisions in relation to that person for their good, for their nurture, you know, for their, their, their progress in the world. You, you want, again, we, we talked about this on the live stream, you want what is best for them. You love them um, ju just because that is what's best for them. And there's a very nurturing motherly charism going on there. And that's how I understand, you know, spiritual motherhood. But then, you know, I only have sons. God has given me many sons. <laughs> I am a mother of sons. And so I also have to try to figure out like, how am I going to articulate what spiritual fatherhood is to these burgeoning young men? And mm -hmm. um, I often, because I'm not a man, have difficulty articulating it. I'm sure my husband is far better at it than I am. But um, is there an analogy of like um, maybe something to the effect of generation? Because if you just think of like the biological fatherhood, it is he who generates mm -hmm. life, you know, through his mm -hmm. seed. I mean, I'm not going to get too explicit on the podcast here, but I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that's biological yeah. fatherhood, right? So do you feel like there is um, that there is a spiritual connection to that biological reality that in spiritual fatherhood that do you, do you see what I'm saying? Can you make that connection? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you're thinking about like, you know, not to get explicit again, but like, you know, oh, let's planting, do it. <laughs> planting the seeds. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, you know, so, you know, they call the the word for seminary mm. is you know, seed bed and yeah. it derives from the Latin. And so, you know, the father, God, the father plants seeds in everyone, every man's heart mm. for in that vocation to, you know, to priesthood or, you know, ultimately to fatherhood and that, and that seed begets more, more seed. And, and, you know, when you think about spiritual generation, I think of it as like, you know, let's say you're walking along someone who's interested in converting to Catholicism. Mm -hmm. and, um, and you're kind of just there, like you're not overly, you're not like, you know, shoving scripture and magisterium down in the throat and saying like, you should believe this and this is what, and let me know if you have any questions, by the way, but like, you know, you're constantly <laughs> like, but like you're just there and you're, yeah. you're, you know, and they might go through things that are like, su like super sinful and, and, and you make a point to say like, Hey, like I wouldn't be your friend if I, I didn't say like, I don't approve of this and, and this is really harmful for you. Mm -hmm. Um, but to still walk along that person with that person, um, there's a story of, they're just coming to mind now. Um, there's a story of a, a priest of the Archdiocese of New York who was ordained on his deathbed. And 
there's a plaque in the seminary chapel where he sat um mm. that's dedicated to him and i don't know if you know father benedict Fischel. Um, yes so, yeah yeah so he wrote a book of on, happy memory yeah so he, he he wrote a book on father eugene hamilton who was uh ordained on his deathbed because he was dying of cancer um ah. and it's a beautiful beautiful story if you get a chance to read um his biography on mm-hmm. father eugene hamilton please please check it out um and one of the things that father eugene uh constantly wrote about in his own and people have reflected on this and in, in his own you know um you know aspirations to priesthood and what he defined the priesthood to be um one of the most important things was to be a friend and you know being a friend with not just the people who share your beliefs and share your 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 interests and stuff but like to be respectful and like you know now i might disagree with you on almost everything but i'm still going to be a friend to you because you know I still want wish for your good and that's what that's what he meant and you know a lot of people who remember father eugene will say like you know we disagreed on a lot of things but he was still offensive and you know and you know big man we need more room for that in the world to be able to disagree oh, with yeah. people and still be friends i mean mm-hmm. father eugene yeah. and heaven pray for us because oh, yeah. yeah and he he harped on that so much and 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 it's influenced me just a lot. Just that was one of the my pandemic reads. Just mm-hmm. just his biography, and I was like, wow, I found so much related in him mm-hmm. to my you know, own story and my own personality. Or I just aspired to be, you know, the, even even though he was a priest for maybe two three hours, like you know, he he still you know exhumed that like you know uh, that just awesome character of a priest as as a father, as a friend, as a servant, as, you know, so many things. And that's what I think spiritual fatherhood is, is to be a friend, to will, to will for someone's good, to protect them in, in any dangers, both spiritually and physically, um, and just to walk along and be present. Because mm-hmm. you know, cause I know the big, big thing that we, we, we joke about and we take seriously is that ministry of presence. And, like, mm-hmm. you know, a father... A really good father, even if he doesn't say a word, is present. Yeah, he's and always there. Exactly. <laughs> like I and I, I mentioned this in in not where I mentioned this, but I, I told someone I said, you know, I love my dad, but sometimes we we like we're riding in the car, we don't talk, yeah. and I'm okay with that because I know that that doesn't change the fact that he loves me and I'm his son. He's my father, and and. You know, and it's so beautiful that we're in the car together. We're just listening. And then, and then, you know, take a deep breath and you say something and then start a conversation. You know? Yeah. So oh, even the most beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. So, yeah, spiritual fatherhood looks like a lot of different things. But to me, it's just being a friend, being a protector and, and kind of just, you know, just being there. I love that. that. That's that's. A, I think that's a good definition. I do want to talk a little bit about fraternity, if you don't mind. You mentioned, mm-hmm. um, so I have a brother who was in the seminary. He discerned out um, just before mm-hmm. diaconate and is now happily married. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he also came from a family of a lot of boys. I have a lot of brothers. So he kind of went from one fraternity situation inside of our home to the fraternity of uh, the seminary. And, you know, I can see how they're just, they're, they're so, 
flu- I mean, they flow so well if, if that is part of your experience. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's something that I think men need in general is good guy friends, you know, mm-hmm. how do you expect to transition out of seminary and maintain that fraternal connection, which is so important, especially after ordination, because I, almost find it like a disservice that so many of these young guys are um, ordained and then put Mm -hmm. in a rectory either by themselves or with one other guy who may or may not care that much about his data. I mean, I'm not saying that pre that, that pastors don't care about their associate pastors, but I mean, a lot of these are older gentlemen who are set in their ways, you know, they're Mm -hmm. there. You don't automatically have that fraternal connection. How do you anticipate, um, in your archdiocese being able Mm -hmm. to maintain that? I know different dioceses do it different ways. I think the diocese of or archdiocese of Denver has the companions. I don't know if you're familiar with them where they live Mm -hmm. in like fraternal homes together as best they can. Does your diocese have that? Is that something that that you anticipate being an obstacle or a challenge for you? Um, so I'm, I know, I, I know the, the companions just like, we've been talking about like consolidated rectories just cause yes. that, it's so important to have that community and fraternity aspect because, you know, like you said, like we, it's very easily that I can just get assigned to some parish mm-hmm. in, you know, the archdiocese geographically is very diverse. Like mm-hmm. you can, uh, go as far south as Staten Island and Manhattan and then go maybe two, three hours north and you're still the archdiocese, but it's like you're in a totally different place. Yeah. Um, um, the most important, I think, thing about keeping that fraternity and and, and, and just keeping it strong is just being intentional. Um, mm. My pastor told me, he said, no, you know, because I talked to him a lot about just my seminary fraternity and I've been trying to keep that up in the parish life and you know it's hard because like mm-hmm. you have you have to make the intention of okay i want to text my classmate we're going to go out to dinner and hang out for the day or we're going to coordinate our days off so that we can always hang out on thursday and, yeah um and you know he told me something one of those like really unforgettable one-liners it's like you know you know if you want to have friends you have to be a friend yeah and and that's a lot harder it's more harder than uh, easier said than done basically um <laughs> and and you really have to just be intentional and, and kind of go out like thankfully i'm very blessed that i'm not that far from the seminary so like if i want to hang out with my classmates i can it's just a maybe 10 15 minute drive but like i know in the priesthood i might be you know a couple hours away from you know a good friend of mine and i have to make the decision like okay we're gonna meet up say somewhere in between or, or I'm just going to spend the day. I'm going to make a sacrifice and go down and, and visit. And, you know, I'm not going to think about like the gas or the tolls just because like, you know, this keeping that is more important than, you know, spending money on gas and, mm-hmm. and spending money on tolls. Cause like I said, like, you know, besides well, our fraternity is so centered and firm and strong in the Eucharist, you know, you can, be together spiritually and, and mystically through celebrating mass and, and it's beautiful, but you still need that paternal correct, like correction every now and yes. then. You, need that, mm-hmm. you know, just to vent because, you know, as much as having lay friends is awesome and, and so important, like there are some things that, you know, only other priests will understand. Yeah. And like, you know, you need someone to vent and say like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm doing like, you know, funerals are my, my go-to example just because like, you know, 
we have to deal with so many of them. You know, who else is going to understand that better than another priest? Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, your mom basically, <laughs> will, will, will definitely understand just because, you know, I, I tell everything to my mom. But like, um, but then again, I know she she can only understand so much. You know, she's very friendly with a lot of priests and she knows how things go. But there's so, many, so much she can understand. There's only so much she can understand and sometimes like stuff that is nice to hear, but it's not what I needed to hear. Mm-hmm. And, that can only come from like good for uh, good brothers that you formed in seminary and yeah. you know later in priesthood and stuff like that. So yeah, it's it's super super important. I think that you know you can't you can survive obviously through God's grace and and normally you know power, but like you know you wouldn't um, how do I say this? Well, iron sharpens iron, right? So yeah, you know you need you need good iron to to sharpen yourself. So. Yeah, totally. Those are my seminary brothers. So I completely identify and and have the experience of, you know, you often need someone in your vocation or at least in your state of life to be able to do that iron sharpens iron. Did I even say it correctly? Iron sharpens iron. (laughs) I didn't know if my my subject verb agreement was right there just then. Um, You do need that experience. You know, oftentimes we, I'm a natural family planning teacher and, you know, all of my closest friends also practice natural family planning. And so we can talk about things that, you know, just aren't relevant to the general population in a very intimate way and, you know, build um, intimacy and community based on this like one thing, because it's a shared experience. Um, But when, when I was doing young adult ministry, um, I also found so much value in um, one of our main goals and kind of uh, creating a young adult ministry. Um, This is over 10 years ago, a long, long time ago. My husband and I were kind of forming this young adult group um, was we don't want it just to be like the, the, the single unmarried people, you know, because then it just becomes kind of like a a meat market situation. Like we wanted this young adult ministry to include, you know, young married people um, who were just married or young people who are married and have, you know, small children, but also single, you know, also right out of college. You know, we, we wanted it to, we wanted there to be diversity because that, that also opens your mind to the experience of other people. And you don't get so like tribal or um, myopic about your own experience. And I think that's really helpful. How do you expect to be able to maintain friendships? Do you think it's even appropriate for priests to maintain friendships? Like um, with, with, we, we often have the conversation, can a boy and a girl really have a platonic relationship, you know, even outside of the of, of priesthood being involved? But like, how do you anticipate to be able to maintain relationships that aren't just priestly relationships? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, some of the most important friendships that uh, some priests have are with mar- married couples, because like, yeah, like, like I said, just, you know, just the, the fatherhood, the parental aspect of both vocations are are so linked and so important yeah. that, you know, even though, you know, even though the ministries are different, like we can still find some commonality and, mm-hmm. and it's so important to get like the different perspectives. But mm-hmm. even I'm still friends with a lot of, a lot of female friends mm-hmm. from, from college and, and, and they provide some great insights to stuff that I'm doing and, mm-hmm. and give me the much needed affirmation that I always want. <laughs> so it's, it's nice. But, uh, but at the same time, like, you know, it's, just the same thing with any friendship, you know, proper boundaries. Yes. Can't, can't cross the line. Yeah. You know, if it, it really depends on the, on your friendship, how vulnerable you want to get, mm-hmm. you know, 
in terms of like your struggles and stuff and stuff like that and you know i'm sort of an open book but like mm-hmm. i know like it's the same thing when i, I mentioned like you know sometimes like our, some of our friends won't understand what we're going through yeah and we need just the people who who get who have gone and been there to mm-hmm. to be our like almost you know just our venting machines like yeah uh, <laughs> so that's why some of your brothers are so important but like at the same time like having co- your friends from college and high school and and just different married couples and and just a different you know wide range of, of people to be your close friends to help you form you to be a good catholic is mm-hmm. super important and you know just the same requisites uh boundaries 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 yeah <laughs> Absolutely. So speaking of boundaries, we are running up on time and you've been enormously generous with your time uh, with us this morning. And so I just want to, I want to, if you don't mind, have like maybe one more little question about, um, do you have any advice for um, either, either young men who might be discerning the priesthood, um, you know, Mm -hmm. even prior to entering seminary, is there anything that you would recommend them uh, do, read, a spiritual practice that you found particularly um, useful in your in your own discernment. Um, any advice that you might give that you would be willing to share? Sure. Um, if the signs are obvious, and you know, like you're like me, that you keep at you keep asking for signs, and you're getting more signs, but you're keeping you you keep asking God for more and more signs. Like you know, follow the follow the signs. Like it, you know. If God is making it abundantly clear that He's wanting you to pursue a religious vocation, um, take the initiative and, and go for it. Talk to talk to your spiritual director if you have one. If you don't have one, get a spiritual director. That's super super important. Um, talk to your vocation director. Um, go on a retreat. Um, keep going to daily mass and pray the rosary as often as you can. Um, just you know when you take take the step seriously to really discern this vocation, take it seriously. Don't, mm-hmm. don't try to, you know, discern both at the same time. Don't try to like get into a relationship and then discern priesthood or discern religious life. That yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. Discern <laughs> one at a time <laughs> and, and, you know, take your time. But when God is making it abundantly clear, just go for it. And, you know, and don't be afraid for, you know, God to tell you like, Hey, you know, you did good now. Like, want you to pull back and maybe pursue something else or, you know. Okay. I know that you said that we had to have boundaries and I accept that. However, I would like to know if you were willing to share, how did the conversation go when you broke up with your girlfriend? (laughs) Sure. Um, So it was a tough one, but yeah. um, I remember we, when I went out on like on a last date, it wasn't mm-hmm. sort of like, uh, it was sort of wasn't planned or it wasn't like mm-hmm. we were saying like, okay, this is the last time we're going out. But yeah, um, there was a, almost, and this is, I want to just attribute it to God's grace. There's a moment where we just kind of looked at each other and just said, thank you. Mm. And yeah. And that's, and yeah. you know, obviously it, it took time for us to officially just say like, okay, this is over. But like, we knew at that moment, like, you know, time was up. Like mm-hmm. we had, uh, you know, you know, finished our time together and it was yeah. great and super blessed. And, um, yeah. And it was, and it was tough. It was really, really tough letting go. Cause that's, mm-hmm. that's the hardest part, but mm-hmm. you know, it was, I want to say it was just that mutual, just, 
you know, we say goodbye to each other and, mm-hmm. or, you know, you know, we just knew the time was up. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, man, yeah. I can't even imagine. Um, that is, a, <laughs> whew, that is a, that's a hard conversation to start for anybody, but, um, I guess if you're going to lose a boyfriend, losing him to God is probably the best case scenario. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, me. yeah, I'm really blessed that it, it turned out that way. I've, yeah. I've read and heard about other stories that yeah. goes and so gracefully, but like, yeah. but like that, that's my, my, my big point is just like, if you're in a relationship and God is calling you, make it clear and, mm-hmm. and, and don't just, don't prolong the relationship until mm-hmm. like the very end where you kind of move into separate that kind of, that does damage to you and Mm -hmm. to your, your partner, just because it's, it's, uh, you're lying to yourself, you're lying to your, your girlfriend at the time, or boyfriend, and who you are. And, and, you know, it's it's not, it's just not fair. basically. And it's good advice. um, Yeah. I just, it's, it's just, uh, it's, um, it's something I've seen in the discussion, in the discernment discourse, just like, you know, if you're gonna discern seriously, you know, take your space. Like, like that's why I say go on retreat, kind of cut off everything, and yeah. and and start anew when you discern. And when you enter seminary, like or your convent or religious life, you, you go all in. for it. Go for it. All <laughs> exactly. in. Yeah. All in. I love it. Thank you, Carlos. Okay, so we um, always end our podcast with something called uh, the last little bit because usually when Tracy is here with me, we are friends in real life, even though she's in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. We can never yeah. stop talking. Like our producers, like it's time. You got to stop. <laughs> Now's the time. And so we we try to limit ourselves to our last little bit, or sometimes it becomes our like, all right, this is my really last last little bit. All right. So yeah. and usually it's something that um, it can be something related to our conversation today, or it can be just like, this was a cool thing that I just watched or what, you know, just very rando. Um, I'll start because I, (laughs) because I, I know about this and I have one planned, but if you have a last little bit that you would like to say, or you can just tell us where we can find more of you um, online, or if people want to get in touch with you, how they, you can choose whatever you want for your last little bit, but um, I'll go first to give you a sec to um, think about it. Um, My last little bit, this is going to surprise Tracy if, and when she listens to this podcast, because she always makes fun of me that my last little bits are always uh, pertinent to the conversation. They're almost like <laughs> footnotes, like, oh, I have one more thing that is related to what we've been talking about for the last hour. Uh, not today. Uh-huh. <laughs> today, I want to talk about the wonder that is candy grapes. Have you had them? Candy grape? No. Oh, my goodness. I mean, it is probably witchery through GMO. I don't know. But they are oh grapes. Gosh that taste like cotton candy like the they're not just super duper sweet which they are but they actually have a flavor that's kind of cotton candy-ish and i got i mean i can get them at like costco does new york have a costco is that is that a thing yeah okay you can get them at like costco or sam's club i don't know if i've seen them in any like regular groceries but they're called like candy burst or cotton candy um they're, they're under different names but if basically if it says candy grapes Heavens to Betsy. I mean, they're so good. <laughs> oh and God. I don't even know I, what GMO is doing. That. They're so good. They're just really, really good. And that's all I wanted to say is just like shout out to candy grapes and whoever invented that because they're delicious. And my five-year-old actually thinks they're kind of like candy. Like he he will mm. request those as much as he would request like a marshmallow. Like he thinks they're just the jam and as do I. 
I can't beat that. Like this. <laughs> Not a competition, just, Carlos. Do you have anything to say? <laughs> I was just going to say you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Seminarian C-A-G. That's all one word, lowercase. Um, so I do all, all of my posting there. But uh, just the last little plug to keep praying for vocations and uh, um, more holy marriages, more religious life. Just, um, just keep praying in general. Just keep praying. Yeah. Pray, pray, pray. <laughs> and we are recording this on the day after the feast day of St. John Vianney, who is the patron of, of parish priests. And so St. Yep. John Vianney, pray for us. Pray thank for you, us. Carlos. You are such a delight. No, thank you. I was so excited. Keep and we did your prayers, say, please. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And you're, you yeah. have an ordination tentatively scheduled for 2023? Yeah, so I think... Diaconate might be 2022 and 2023 is pre So Okay, so we have a, um, but, a couple of years to do some praying for you. Oh, yeah. But pray for the guys who are getting ordained this year, this November. I think we're getting new Ram Deacons. So if I can name them off the top of my head, they're Dude, Matt, so we can Savio. Pray. Yeah, Matt, Savio, Stephen, um, and a few CFRs. I'm forgetting all of them. I'm so sorry if they're listening. <laughs> but pray, <laughs> pray for Dunwoody's class of 2021. For the Archdiocese of New York and Rockville Center in Brooklyn. Amen. And we said before we even went, uh, we started recording that you you are in seminary with some of the um, the Franciscan friars of the renewal or the um, CFRs. And uh, mm-hmm. I asked you the question if, because w- we know several or a few uh, CFR priests, but I've never known them when they were in seminary. And so I asked if they were as, um, I used a I used a curse word, but I'm only going to say bad A. So if we all know what that means, are they as bad A in the seminary as they are in the priesthood? And you said absolutely that these guys are legit. And so that's kind of cool yep. too. I love They're it. The coo- by far the coolest religious hoarder, down, hands down, no bias <laughs> here. I, even though they're from New York, but Sisters of Life come at a close second. But oh, yeah. Cars are are the bros all the way yeah <laughs> we like awesome. our dominicans here in nashville but i will i will testify the cfrs and the sisters for life are pretty incredible yeah. love it well, thanks carlos thank you god bless you see you soon bye bye y'all bye thanks for joining us today on bellator colloquium please look for bellator society on everything social facebook instagram twitter and if you like what we're doing here on this podcast we would love for you to share that with us Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.